But uh, how many of you like good news? Anybody like good news? Yeah, you know, there's so much bad news, and, and I try to make sure you get a dose of it. And, you know, the reason I do that is not because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it. It is because if you don't know how, what the enemy's doing, if you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to fight, you, you just, you kind of think everything's okay. And, you know, sometimes things are okay if it doesn't affect you. Have you ever noticed that? You know, it's kind of like people that weren't really that concerned about politics until they realized it was in, just kind of encroaching on their children's welfare, and all of a sudden they became interested in politics, in school boards, and different things like that. And I think really as citizens, uh, we are called to, to bring the life of God to every environment we're in. And if our freedom is, is not there, the gospel cannot thrive. You know, and our, uh, our world is, is just filled with challenges on every hand. But I, I want to give you three good pieces of news that uh, I grabbed this week from the headlines. Here's the first one. Conservative wins. Supreme Court says California can't force Christian group charities to disclose donor names. Now, I want you to think about that. There was an effort to release the role of everything that we have here, for example, and give to the government so they would know who gave and how much they gave. So you see how big a win that is? It's a big win because now they can target you if they wanted to, if you were a donor, especially if you happen to be a donor, a large donor, and they say, wait a minute, this looks like something's wrong. Here's the second one. Victory, IRS approves religious groups tax-exempt status. Uh, now this is, a, this is a group it's called Christians Engaged, and Christians Engaged was a group that uh, really worked in the area of encouraging people to pray for their nation, uh, to know what's going on, and to be involved in, like, civic responsibility. And the IRS came in and said, well, we, we think you're acting outside the realm of a 5013C, so we're going to shut you down. So First Liberty Institute went to them and basically showed them where they were misguided, and the IRS reversed their order and said, you're right, we were violating free speech and First Amendment. Let's see, that's good news. So don't think there's not real wins happening, you know, just because we don't hear about them. Here's another one. D.C. to pay $220,000 for restricting Baptist churches in-person worship during the pandemic. This is good news. And by the way, I'll say that churches all across America and in California have been paid back by the government because of uh, enforcing something that was not constitutional. Whenever I see a, a win and I'm encouraged in things like this, I know that we're not losing. You know, sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? You feel like, wow, society's going this way and, and the gospel's going this way and there seems to be so much, so much space in between those two things. But be encouraged that because you don't read about it doesn't mean it's not happening. Remember, the media is not quick to publish this kind of stuff. This is not like what they want you to know about. And so sometimes you have to find it in different sources. You'll notice that the sources that I gave you, Christian Headlines, Christian Post, and First Liberty Institute, I didn't give you CNN, I didn't give you, you know, one of these other, because they didn't publish it. But it's there. Be encouraged. 
You know, one thing that, um, that I, what I'm going to talk to you about today, let me just kind of walk you through three really major thoughts that I want to give you today. Number one, the Bible says there's going to come a time when people will long for the return of Christ. We're going to talk about that today. We also are going to see that people are beginning to mobilize to confront the evil that is in the land today. That is happening in a big, broad scale, especially with moms who've had all they can take of bad curriculum, right? And then I believe people are really beginning to pray for revival. You know, when, when things get bad enough, you say, well, what is there to do? Well, let's pray. And it's always an effective tool, amen? So let's talk about that first thought. People will long for the coming of Christ. Luke chapter 17, verses 22 through 24. And here's what Jesus said. The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here, look there, do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning flashes out of one part under heaven and shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. Now, what I read here is that there, there is this something in us that says, I want to be with God. I, I want to see God come. I want to see God restore all things in my day. Now, you may be hesitant at first to say, well, that's really what I'm looking for because I enjoy my life. God wants you to enjoy your life. God wants you to live your life today in the fullness, in confidence, in authority, walking as children of the living God, amen? That's what he wants for us, and we should be doing that. But at the same time, there's another part of us that says, but God, I long for your return. He says some people are gonna say, oh, he's already come, or that's really not important, or that's not for our day. He says, don't believe that. I'm gonna come just as I said I would. I'm gonna come in like a thief in a night. I'm gonna come in a split second. I'm gonna come and reveal myself when the time is exactly right. And you know, time is always the hardest thing to deal with, isn't it? When you read the Bible, and you're, especially if you're reading about things that, it, that involve end-time um, experiences and, and prophecies and revelations, you say, well, when will this be? And you really don't have the exact day of his return. The Bible says we can't know that but we can know seasons of his return. We can look and say, well, it appears that we're in this season, which makes us closer to this event in prophecy. And God wants us to do that. Part of the reason I believe God doesn't give us exact dates and times is so that we live our life every day in the expectancy of Christ's return. You see, if, if you knew he was coming back in a week, well, you say, well, I've got a week to figure it out. But if you knew he was coming at any moment, you'd say, I better live my life for Jesus Christ every day of my life, trying to honor him, do good to mankind, make society better, you know, love my family, love my friends, love my neighbors, and all those things that go with that, amen? You see, what is it inside of us? Well, one is a desire for justice. Have you ever noticed how justice is such a big part of our life? When we hear of an injustice, what do we do? Oh, that's not right. We have to make that right. Well, where does that come from? It comes from the divine nature that God gave us. Whether you're saved or lost, you should have a desire for justice. You should say some things are wrong and they need to be rectified. In fact, Jesus on one occasion, remember when the religious people were basically taking advantage of people in the temple, he overturned the money changers 
And he said, this shall not be. My, ha- my house, the house of God, shall not be a den of thieves, but it should be a house of prayer for all people. And so there was a holy indignation in Jesus, and he said, no, justice has to be done, especially in the house of God. And the other thing is this desire for righteousness. You know, there's something in us also that says, well, they're a good person, and that's commendable. We don't ever commend people for being bad people. Have you ever noticed that? He's a really evil person. I really like being around him. I mean, we never say things like that. Why is it we do that? And why is it we tend to, to, to like people that are better people and nicer people? It is because of the image of God inside of you. Because you know that the, a, a good person is gonna bring order to society, is not gonna do you harm, is gonna be fair with you in everything you do. But where does that come from? It comes from the divine nature God created in you in the image of God because God is a God of justice and God is a God of righteousness. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and coming judgment. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He he comes to us and he shows us where we're wrong in our life. And that's a valuable thing, amen? Amen. Now, it might be your friend, your neighbor, your spouse, or your kids that remind you where you're wrong. But when the Holy Spirit does it, it brings about a change, doesn't it? And it sounds different. When the Holy Spirit moves us into out of sin and into righteousness, it feels good. There's nothing so comfortable, no, no pillow that's more comfortable than a clean conscience. Well, if you could lay down at night and say, you know, I've done everything I know, I've rectified every wrong that I've, I've made in my life, I've prayed for my enemies, I've done those things, doesn't that feel good? Isn't there something powerful about that in your life? And you know, as you live out your life, how are you going to live your life? You know, Paul wrote this to the Philippians. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he goes on to say, you know, sometimes I'm torn. I'm thinking it, it might be better for me just to go be with the Lord. But then he says, no, I know it's better for me to serve you. And even though he, it could have been an easy way out, I mean, Paul was arrested, put in jail. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. He went through all kinds of difficulties and challenges, even to the place in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, at the end, he says, I bear in my body the marks that I have suffered for Christ. He wore scars and bruises because he'd suffered for Christ. But he went on to say, if you really want to sum up my life, for me to live is Christ. What if you could start saying that to yourself every day? For me to live out my life is to live for Christ, is to let Christ live in me and through me. And so that I don't have to be confused with my decisions, I get heavenly wisdom. I seek God in everything that I do, and I seek righteousness, and I seek justice in my life. For me to live, why, that's Christ. To die, well, that's even gain. If I die, then it's a gain. I'm gonna be with the Lord, and that's a good thing. The second thing I want you to see is that people will mobilize to confront evil, the evil of the day. When Jesus is writing this in Luke 17, he goes on to give us a little understanding about the times and how we look at the times and how we can understand in times. He says in Luke 17, verses 26 through 30, as it was in the days of Noah. It's really interesting that Jesus takes that current scenario and he says, do you wanna know about the return of Christ? 
I want you to study the days of Noah. Now, for your information, if you don't know this, that's Genesis chapter six through nine. So you go back there and you say, what happened? And well, the, the Bible says there was so much wickedness on the land that God reached down and he found this man Noah and his family, eight people, and he said, I'm gonna use you to restart the world. I'm gonna use you because you're the only righteous ones in the land. Now, here's the principle. The principle is not how much sin was in the land. The principle was there was righteousness in the land, and God preserved and prepared and cared for his righteous people. You know why that's good news? Because it doesn't matter how bad things get in your life or in this world, God will always watch over you, care for you, prepare protection for you, a place for you. He is your God, he is a strong tower, he is your shield and the lifter of your head, he is your glory, he is your righteousness, he is your all and all, he is everything you need. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path and you will be like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in all of its seasons. In all that it does, it prospers, but the wicked shall not be so, for they shall be like the, the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, they shall not stand in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, I want you to know that earth may be moved and shake. It may slip into the sea, but I want you to know there is a city whose builder and maker is God, and God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. The heathen rage, they raise their voice, but God utters his voice and the earth melts. Be still and know that I am God, he says. Be still and know that I am God. And God is working in our day. So he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So also in the days of the Son of Man, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark the flood came and destroyed them all. Now think about that moment right there. I wanna know about the return of Christ. Do I read the book of Revelation? Absolutely. But he said where your starting point is, find out what was happening in the book of Genesis. Genesis is such a key book. In fact, the first 15 chapters of Genesis, every major doctrine in the word of God is introduced in the book of Genesis. So God opens up, he says, okay, here's the doctrine of creation. Here's the doctrine of God. Here's the doctrine of the Trinity. Let us make man in our image, right? And you go through it, and here's the doctrine of Satan. Here's the doctrine of man and woman, the fall, marriage, uh, rapture, chapter five, the book of Enoch. You just, uh, you just keep going through this whole thing, and God is showing you little glimpses of how he works. And then he says something else. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot. Okay, now we're jump forward to chapter 18 and 19 of, of the book of Genesis. And we all have heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So wicked was that land that God sent two angels to rescue Lot and his family out of the land. The sin was so prevalent in the land. Every vice that you could imagine was there. Evil was in the land. And it says they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day the Son of Man is revealed. If you've ever been to Israel, they, they, they'll take you on a tour by an area where they think Sodom and Gomorrah was. 
And it's really an odd-looking place. In fact, it's so odd-looking that you can't even put it in your mind. It just looks like something from a sci-fi movie where an atomic bomb had taken place. The other thing that's interesting is the radioactivity in that area is extremely high. Nobody seems to have an explanation except the Bible. Something happened there. God did something in that day. So evil was the land and homosexuality was such a great sin in that land that God had to bring judgment because of the, not just that, but all kinds of wickedness that was in the land. I want you to take a look at this uh, this post, I, I did a screenshot from Sean Foyt, and I don't know if you saw this video, but let me just read the headlines. Uh, San Francisco Gay Men's Choir, We'll Convert Your Children, We're Coming for Them. And the entire song is about that. So there's nothing hidden here. There's nothing, uh, an agenda that you kind of wonder about. It's very overt, very strong. But what I really love is Sean's post. He says, coming for our kids? Nah, man, uh, you got it wrong. The kingdom is coming to your city. And so he was in San Francisco that very next day. Now let me tell you why I like this post. We're not here to condemn people. We're not here to get angry at people. We're here to love people. And whether you have this sin or that sin, it really is, is not the point. The point is we are to love and, and minister to and, and show the kingdom to people wherever they're coming from. Now there is an agenda out here, obviously, that's not a kingdom of God agenda that's happening in our world. That's why we have to stand in the evil day. That's what it says in Ephesians 6. Having done all to stand in the evil day, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So when things come up against you, you have to be willing to stand. You have to be willing to lift up righteousness in your land. I can't begin to tell you how many times that some of the headlines that I've read uh, on this subject of children and what's happening in curriculum and in schools, how many times I've just been burdened to pray and all I see is my grandchildren and your children and your grandchildren. I see four, five, six, seven-year-old children and they're so innocent and they're so pure and that someone would want to take their innocence and their purity from them. You know, I, I just, it should be the burden of everyone in this room to pray. It should be the burden of everyone in this room to do something to protect those kids that are growing up now. And you may remember back, and it was such an innocent time for you, but things have changed. And we have to make, we have to make sure that we have strategies to, to work in this day that we're living. You see, sometimes fear overcomes us. We've had plenty of reasons to be afraid, haven't we? I mean, the government has tried to scare us. COVID scared us. Everybody scared us. The economy scares us. Oh, yeah, I'm just scared. What's going on here, right? Let me tell you something. Fear is the boundary line of Satan's power. The moment you step over the line of fear, you destroy his control. Fear is the boundary line of Satan's power. If you, stay, if you don't step over that line, you will stay in fear over something your entire life. Remember, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, that's Holy Spirit power, love, and a sound mind. In other words, our brain is designed to process truth logically, systematically, to discern good from evil. 
And when you empower that with the Holy Spirit, love, I, in, in the context of love, we're going to what? We're gonna exercise the power to discern good from evil with a clear mind in everything we do. You see, God has a victory for us every day, amen? Listen to Deuteronomy 28, I love this one, verses six and seven. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. God says, I'm gonna bless you when you come in, when you come out. Your house, out of work, anytime, I'm gonna just bless you. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you to be defeated before your face. You know that God never says, I'm gonna get rid of your enemies. Have you ever noticed that? That would be my goal. <laughs> no enemies, no problems, no challenges, no difficulty, right? I remember one scripture where Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Satan's desire is to sift you like wheat. And he says, but I prayed that your faith fail not. No, 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 I want the other version. Satan's desire is to sift you like wheat, but I'm going to squash him. No, because you see, what happens when you find yourself in a battle that the only thing that's going to get you through it is faith and the word of God and the spirit of God? You grow as a human being. You grow as a person of faith. You become stronger and stronger, and you talk about, you know, we talk about having antibodies to fight off disease. Well, guess what? You've got a spiritual antibody inside of you called the Holy Spirit who fights off fear every day of your life. Rely on the Holy Spirit of God. He says the Lord will cause your enemies to rise up, to be defeated before your face. In other words, you're going to see their defeat. You're gonna see the defeat. You're gonna be strong, and it's the Lord who's causing this to happen. Notice that. They shall come out against you one way, and they shall flee seven ways. Let me tell you something. The reason there is so much pressure, so much happening right now, is because the, the agenda that wants to move us away from God knows how precarious a position they're in, and if they don't hurry up and get it done and slip it under, under the door, so to speak, it's not gonna get done. The reason there's so much censorship is because there's fear. You see, you only censor things that you're afraid of. And so there's censorship going on. Look at Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. The people that do know their God sh uh, shall be strong and do great exploits. Do you know your God? Do you really know God? It says if you know your God, you're gonna be strong. You know how to just say to yourself, I'm strong. Let me hear you say it, I am strong. And repeat that, never admit I'm weak. Never curse the ground that you walk on. Never give power to the enemy. Step over the line of fear. Be strong in the Lord. Amen? Job 22, 28. Job is in the fight of his life for faith. Job's going through trials. You know, a lot of people say, well, I just feel like Job today. Have you read Job lately? I don't think your life's that bad yet, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, I just feel like Job. Well, let's go back and see what God was trying to say to Job. Look at this. You will declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine your ways. He's saying, Job, it's time to declare victory. But Job was so busy in his pain and in worry and his challenges that he didn't declare victory in a situation. Some people get so wound up in their problems, all they can talk about is their problems. 
Yeah, I know you got problems, but where's the win? Where's the victory? Where's the, where's the decision, the declaration to say, wait a minute, enough of this. This is not going to take over me. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Amen? So declare. It says make a declaration. What is your declaration for this day in which you live? It should, it should include things that relate to your peace and tranquility. You should have a declaration that, re- that relates to your family and your peace of mind. You should have a declaration about your finance. You should have a declaration about your future, about your children, about school, about all those things. I'm going to make a declaration. This is where I'm going. This is what God is doing in my life, and I'm not going to get side-railed by the enemy or by fear. Amen? And then people will pray for revival. Zechariah chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. What's interesting about that scripture is he says, ask for rain when it's raining. See, the latter rain came like clockwork. He said, I want you to ask for rain when it's raining. In other words, if you're a farmer, and that was the context, then you want to ask for rain in the middle of rain. But wait a minute, if I have rain, why do I need rain? Because there's two kinds of rain. There's physical rain and there's spiritual rain. Are you with me on this one? There's physical rain and there's spiritual rain. Look what he says. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. And then notice how this little change happens here. For idols, for the idols speak delusion. Oh, wait a minute. You just went from agriculture to spiritual. What's happening here? Well, God is telling us this, that I'm using this as an analogy. I'm talking about rain and grass and abundance, but I want you to know in the middle of your abundance, you're going to find that idols are going to come up and try to get your attention. And what they're going to do is they're going to delude you. They're going to speak to you. What are the idols in our life? Well, it could be anything. It could be your time. It could be your money. It could be your possessions. It could be your family. Anything that takes away your attention from God can be an idol. Anything that that decreases that love for God can be an idol. And he says, when things get good, when when you start to feel the rain, then I want you to know there's a spiritual rain that I want to shower down on you. And so he talks about idols first and what they do. And then he talks about the diviners in vision lies. What are diviners? Those are the ones that say, hey, I know what your future is all about. Trust me. Can I just say that the only one we trust is God? All others are a little shaky. Amen? All right. Then look what it says. And tell false dreams. So what do they do? They envision lies and they tell false dreams. People say, well, this is your dream for your life. This is what you need to do for your life. No, wait a minute. Does that line up with God and God's word? Am I, am I getting this from God? Am I getting it somewhere else? People say, well, how do you know the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice? Very good question. All right, I'm gonna give you a couple of ideas. Here's the first one. God never nags. Now, what does that mean? Whenever you hear that voice inside of you, hurry up, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and trying to push you into something, that's never God. The Bible said God speaks in a still, small voice. Second way you know that voice, whether it's God or Satan or yourself, okay, 
does it line up with Scripture? Does this thing that I'm moving in the direction of, does the Scriptures line up and say, this is in parallel, this is in direction with the Scriptures? Third, does this line up with sound wisdom? You should have people that you consult with, and they, they're godly people. They're not the people that tell you what you want to hear. They're the people that tell you truth and speak from God's word. Does this line up with godly counsel? And then the fourth thing is, is this consistent with the way God works in my world? If what you're doing is so bizarre and nobody's ever done it, it could be of God, but there's a really good chance it's of you. Amen? I read about a preacher one time in Denver that burned his church down because he said the Lord told him to. I don't know. I'm just thinking this guy was listening to the wrong God. What do you think? You see, so is it consistent with the way God works in our world? What does God do here? He goes on, he says, the diviners envision lies, they tell false dreams, they comfort in vain. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of false prophets over the last year from the scientific world who've just put me on a roller coaster of what's really happening in my world. I can't find comfort in that. I can't find truth in that. They comfort in vain. This is not comfort. Therefore, the people went their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. You know, one thing that I have noticed, the shepherd in Scripture is defined to be as the priest or the pastor, the directional leader. And even though there are many shepherds in the land, we found there's a lot of shepherds that don't know what to do and how to direct in this season. This is a challenging, difficult season. And I really believe God is going to give us a victory bigger than we could ever imagine. I believe, I believe this is all a setup from God for a big win. How about that? I think us Christians, we Christians, need to be shaken a little bit. We need to get back to our roots, get back to our faith, get back to the word of God, get back to what's really happening in our world. And God said, you know what? I, when I shake things up, I'm gonna shake things up. Like one guy said from the South, he said, when God sends tribulation, he expects his children to tribulate. <laughs> Gotta have some tribulation going on. Gotta shake it up a little bit. And what happens is, when you, when you come to a place where there's enough uneasiness in the land, what do you do? You pray, you seek the Lord, you confess your sins, you humble yourself, you come before the Lord, and God says, great, now you're under the spout where the water comes out. You were just missing the water. I was trying to pour rain on you, and you were missing out on what I had for you. I was blessing, but you missed it. Get outside and enjoy what I've got, the blessings. So what does God bring? He brings blessings. God loves to bring blessings to his people. You say, well, I'd like to have a blessing. Have you asked? Well, no. I've just gotten envious over those who got blessed. <laughs> have you ever had that happen to you? Somebody gets blessed, or always talking about how they're blessed, 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 and you, you feel like you're on the short end of the stick. You're getting hand-me-down clothes. I mean, it just nothing's working for you, right? God says, no, wait a minute. I want to bless all of my children, but I do have some conditions that set up the blessing, Walk in my ways, seek my face, read my word, walk in faith. I want to bless you. 
This is not rocket science. This is just pure obedience before the Lord. And so God says, when you do that, I'm gonna bring blessings on you. I'm gonna bring abundance on you. You see, God can, can bring favor on you even in the middle of challenging times. When I was in Bible college, uh, we were, uh, it was all, all of us were young in our faith and, and I remember this girl, I don't remember her name, don't remember anything about her other than I remember her story. And she was late, and she came in, and the professor said, you know, you're late, how come you're late? He said, well, I ran out of gas right when I started my car up, but I wanted to get here so bad that I took the, the uh, garden hose and I put it in the tank and I filled it up with water and I asked God to get me to school. <laughs> now, I'm not recommending this. <laughs> Amen? I mean, even with gas prices the way they are, this is not my recommendation. Now, I don't know what happened, but somehow she made it 15 miles on water. <laughs> now, I didn't ever hear the back end of the story where the engine had to be pulled and everything was a disaster, but she made it. Those kind of things are miracles outside the realm of understanding, but it brings you back to a point. Sometimes God will bless you in spite of your ignorance. I've been blessed when I, you know, God, I didn't know what I was doing. God says, I'm just going to bless you anyway. You know, I get a blessing. I go, why did I do this? I was, I was like a knucklehead over here, God. No, I know that. I know that about you, Phil. But you know what? I want you to know that I'm God. I want to just, I want you, I want you to be loved into my abundance for you. I want to bless you in spite of you sometimes. And there's nothing that draws you in more than when God is just loving you into a relationship, amen? I was praying the other night and God showed me three things. I wanna share them with you. Here's the first one, that God is drawing people to influence for a strategic purpose. You know, I really believe that sometimes we overlook this idea of how God assembles people for a time and for a season for a purpose. And I've met a lot of new people who've said, you know, God led me here and they found, found influence through such an indirect path. I thought it must be the Lord. The second thing the Lord showed me was influence will be at the center of a last day's revival. I really believe we have positioned ourselves to be in the center of what God is doing. And then the third thing that I'm really excited about is God is raising up kingdom warriors at influence. You know, I, I was at that kid's camp and I watched these kids worshiping and praising and lifting their hands to God and I thought, you know, these are kingdom warriors and we need to keep up with them and we need to encourage our children to be strong in the Lord and we need to be reminding them all the time that God is your sufficiency, that your teacher is the Holy Spirit. You might have a physical teacher at school, but the Holy Spirit is always a better teacher. That's why in Psalm 119 it says, I am wiser than all of my teachers, for thy word has instructed me. Isn't that good? I am wiser than all of my teachers, for thy word has instructed me. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word. Psalm 119. It's, it's the longest chapter in the Bible and every single verse deals with the Word of God. Every single one of them. Steep yourself in the Word of God, in wisdom. See what God can do in your life, amen? Would you stand with me now? I wanna, I wanna pray with you and some of you need to seek the Lord right now and recommit your life. Some of you need to uh, honestly just, just repent of some sin in your life and just say, I gotta stop this. 
I gotta draw close unto God. And some of you need to give your heart to Christ today. So I just wanna give you a, a prayer of salvation right now that you can pray right where you stand or sit. It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, just pray this with me, you can pray it right out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried according to the scriptures and rose from the dead. You conquered sin, hell, and death in your resurrection. You sent your Holy Spirit to live in my heart, to give me life. Come Holy Spirit right now in my heart. Save me, Lord Jesus. Save me, Lord Jesus. I love you. The Bible says that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart, that God has raised him from the dead, I will be saved. So save me now in Jesus' name. If that was your prayer, just thank him right where you stand, right where you sit, and just say, thank you, Lord, for saving me in this moment. Was that your prayer? Just lift your hand up and just say, God, I just want to acknowledge. Amen. Amen. Hands all over this room. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Now follow the Lord. You know, I can't say any better than follow the Lord. Get excited about God and what God's doing and be an encourager to one another. Be in the Word of God and, and, and don't give up hope. The God of hope lives in you, amen?